You know, it's funny, actually. When I left on this journey, I thought traveling the old way was traveling without a motor. But what I just learned from my friends in the Mi'kmaq community is that the old way isn't my method of travel. It's what I connect with when I travel. And they told me with every stroke of the paddle in the water to say, the water is sacred, the water is sacred. And with every step on the earth, the earth is sacred, the earth is sacred. That's the old way. Traveling with respect and reverence for what sustains life. That's filmmaker and explorer Deanne Whalen, whose documentary, 500 Days in the Wild, about her incredible journey on the Great Trail across Canada, from the Atlantic Ocean to the Arctic and Pacific, is having its premiere this week at the Whistler International Film Festival. She's our guest on Explore, a Canadian Geographic podcast. Welcome to all you explorers out there, armchair and in motion. I'm your host, David McGuffin. We love a great journey here on Explore. And Deanne Whelan went on a doozy. Over six years, she did the entire Great Trail, the longest trail in the world, 24,000 kilometers across Canada by bike, on foot, and in canoe, from sea to sea to sea. A filmmaker by profession, she documented her journey along the way. The result is an incredibly inspiring and beautifully shot film, 500 Days in the Wild. And I should mention that Deanne was supported early on with the Royal Canadian Geographical Society Expedition Grant. Before we get to our conversation, a quick reminder that you can get a subscription to Canada's best magazine, like the very best of all, the award-winning Canadian Geographic for just $28.50 a year. That gets you six print issues and full online digital access. A great deal for a quality publication. So go to canadiangeographic.ca forward slash subscribe. It makes a great gift for the holidays. And now, on to our adventure across Canada with Deanne Whalen. Deanne Whalen, welcome to the Explore podcast. Oh, thank you. So happy to be here. So I'm always fascinated when I'm talking to people who've done incredible things like you have, like where that germ of exploration came from. And I'm, so, you know, where was home? What, what were your folks up to? Like, where did this come from, <laughs> do you think? Well, my mother's uh, Acadian from New Brunswick, a little Acadian village called St. Damien, and her ancestry goes back to the 1600s. And my father is a Newfoundlander with uh, a few generations uh, there in Newfoundland, but prior to that, uh, obviously, Ireland. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, I guess, you know, at some level, there's a nomadic gene in all of us when, you know, the very (laughs) fact that we're alive, it means you can trace your ancestry back to the beginning of time, but... We yeah, all have amnesia also, about that. But yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, my mom said, here's the, here's the, all I could tell you is I think I was just born with it because uh, I was born in, in Toronto. My parents left and came west in a, a couple years later when I was like three years old and we lived, you know, surrounded by trees. But even in Toronto, when I was born, I was born in May and by that first winter, I was only like six months old. And the only way they could get me to be happy would be to wrap me up and put me in this baby carriage. And even if it was like minus 20 or minus 30, so I just roll me <laughs> out there and leave me there. Um, and once you got me into a park, you just couldn't get me away. And, uh, you know, what was great about being born in the 60s was like no one knew better. And you had this amazing amount of freedom. And yeah. even as a five-year-old, you know, I was 
I was getting my lessons from, you know, watching tadpoles turn into frogs. And uh, uh, I've always just felt a, a real sense of peace and, and being at home, um, mm. surrounded by big trees and, and, and the little critters too, you know, like I said, the frogs and the salamanders. And uh, those, were, those were my first teachers. And you think about what happens with a frog when you watch a tadpole egg become a tadpole, which then becomes a frog. What your little five-year-old brain is actually watch, watching is transmutation. It's a very yeah. powerful thing, right? Yeah. And it's all right there out in nature. So something that she got, she got me. They tried to, you know, yeah. my parents are, are Catholic and I have great respect for people and their religions, but nature had me by, had me by the age of five. And uh, for me, it's just, that's where I feel that there's a divine. That's where I feel like those are my cathedrals, you know, the old trees and being out there yeah. in nature. What part of Toronto was that? Like, were there ravines? I think or it was you... like right downtown Toronto. Like, you know, back in the 60s, that's a lot of Maritimers would go there for work. And there was a Maritime Club where, you know, Newfoundlanders could meet people from PEI and Nova Scotia. They're kind of cliquey and they looked after, looked out for each other. And so my parents met there. And uh, I think I was the reason why they got married oh. <laughs> back then. Uh, but anyway, they, connecting you know, people right from the start, right, right from the start. <laughs> but you know, both are Maritimers, and they, you know, they they didn't want what they grew up with. But it just goes to show you might not be like your parents, but I think my spirit, you know, if I had a chance to see who my ancestors were, I'm pretty sure I come by it honestly enough, you know. And mm-hmm. I feel like I've always been a storyteller. I mean, the fact that I'm using film now or photography or words um you know I feel like that's just always been a part of who I am because uh you know I feel that maybe I probably did it like near a fire in an older time with a drum in my hand or something you know whether it was the Irish descent or the Celtic or whatever it feels old in me and it feels very authentic um I feel really lucky in my life that I've been able to live what I would consider to be a a pretty authentic life lots of mistakes but authentic mistakes (laughs) Yeah, exactly. uh, Yeah, no, it's peaks and valleys all the way through for everybody, though, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, So, so then the Great Trail—it's like fairly recent phenomenon in Canada, and Mm -hmm. clearly it got your attention. Twenty-four thousand kilometers, I think, of trail—is that what we're talking about? Yeah, it's a a long way, Deanne. So, what? Why? I guess the question will be why. Yeah. (laughs) Well. Lots of reasons. I mean, you know, first of all, uh, I found myself in a place in my life where um, the life that I had built had come to an end of the relationship. uh, My marriage had ended. And, you know, a few years after that, my dog died. So the things that would normally keep you kind of anchored were gone. And um, so I was sad about that. But I also saw opportunity in that. I saw opportunity to do something that I wouldn't normally be able to do. And that would be to kind of leave my life for a while. Um, So there was that. Um, I had already made a film on Everest and up in the high Arctic. So when they started calling it the longest trail in the world, that was kind of intriguing to me as well. And knowing that it had never been done. Um, And then also, you know, they were calling it. I mean, I I get it. I mean, it's like I said, like I do think Canada is a wonderful country and I love living here and I'm a proud Canadian, but um, the idea of building it just to celebrate 150 years, I thought there was an opportunity for some rebranding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to bring a different sensibility to it. I wanted to bring this idea of like, um, 
yeah, it's just celebrating a story that started a lot longer and, and still celebrate Canada, but also celebrate everybody that came before Canada was Canada to you and basically respect the ancestors of this land. So, um, yeah, all of those things just came together for me. And, uh, and I didn't, you know, I did, it didn't require a lot like financially. I mean, I'm an independent filmmaker. I didn't have any grants when I left. I didn't have any financing. I didn't have any supporter. Like I had people supporting me. I had other indie filmmakers who kindly were helping me out when they could. Um, and I was showed a lot of kindness. I say the currency of 500 days in the wild was human kindness for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's how everything happened. It wasn't cause I was waving money around. There was none, <laughs> but, um, you know, there was a, it was an idea. And, and, um, anyway, uh, I, it was just a one step at a time and somehow six years goes by and the yeah. journey got completed, you know, but, um, the why, I mean, I, again, it's just, it was a comp when you want to do something with this, with your life, a whole bunch of things come together to kind of make it make sense. It has to be. So the opportunity, uh, the desire also to do some self work, you know, 50 years old, call it a midlife crisis or whatever you want, but a time of self reflection, just to really make sure to, have I gone off course here? Like, you know, if I only have five years left or 10 years left or 20, like, I don't know, we don't get born with an expiry date. And I think, Every once in a while, just diving in and checking out, make sure you're on the right path for you, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. I was ready for that kind of self-reflection. Um, I liked the idea of working out every day. I liked the idea of being in a lot of outdoors a lot. And I liked the idea of being able to film every day. I owned my gear. So, you know, I was just doing the things that I love to do and uh, just kind of bringing it all together, you know. So I guess the question would be, why not? <laughs> Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, you know, it made more sense than a lot of other realities that I, you know, I don't know about sitting in traffic for two hours every day, getting to work yeah. in a building, you know, I just, all due respect, some, for some people that brings happiness for me, I just, yeah, it's just about finding what works for you. And uh, this really just brought all my passions together um, and gave me a focus too. you know, it has a beginning, a middle and an end. And, uh, and I always say too, you know, I like to choose film projects where even if things go sideways and nothing, let's say you don't get the funding and the film never gets released and whatever, so maybe you can't complete it because you get injured, but you've had this experience. Like I got to be out there and live this. I got, I mean, I fell in love with canoeing. I mean, like it's so many amazing things, you know, happened. Uh, and I never knew what they were going to be when I woke up in the morning. So, um, yeah, what an amazing way to live, actually. And, uh, yeah. you know, was I consider myself really lucky. And, you know, giving myself that experience was one of the best gifts I've given myself yet, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now sharing it with all of us. So thank you. And yeah, so it was bike uh, and walking and, and paddling, and I, which at first I was surprised, but then I thought, of course, it's Canada. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's there's going to be a canoe involved, a right? canoe, yeah. My favorite yeah. part. By far, it was the yeah. paddling. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that stretch you did up through the Northwest Territories up to the Arctic Ocean, I it was just beautiful. Like it really. Oh, thank you. And I've done some paddling in that area, sort of further west, but uh, it's such yeah. striking and so solitary too up there. So yeah, yeah, it was really um, very much so. Yeah, it was relationship boot camp for Louisa and I for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you had a, a real partner on board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you so you you started out in Newfoundland and that was yep. on bike which which I sensed wasn't your favorite. No, no, I should have hiked that part right up to the last minute. I was going to hike it. 
yeah. but I had sent my bike ahead because we, you know, we're trying to move gear along. And, uh, and then when I got there and I saw the beginning, I'm like, oh my God, it's, it's this like easy gravel path, you know, bike. And then I get out past New St. John's and it's like, oh, <laughs> no, it's like that crush rock that they build rail lines on. Yeah. Oh my God. But whatever, you know, it's all good. Like I, I hey, yeah. it was on the job training. <laughs> There's you being, being a prof- professional filmmaker, there's some great like up close spill shots too. Of just head, o- head over heels. Like, yeah, <laughs> we were, I was, yeah, I was happy to see you switch to foot, you know? When yeah. You I think we all were. Woof. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, the other thing that surprised me. And so I assumed when you did this over five years, that the reason was six, to avoid winter. Six, six years. Six years, yeah. No, yeah, let's not. Let's not. Yeah, month, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Let's not discount with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you didn't avoid winter. You went head on into winter through New Brunswick at one point and through mm-hmm. Northern Ontario. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And so, w- was that a conscious decision, or was that just this was the time you had available, or what was the? Um, well, originally, I always thought that I would be out there all the time. Like, you know, that was, and, and in some ways, I mean, like I did come on and off the trail, right? I was filming and sometimes I, I stopped to rest for a couple of days. I stopped to rest for two months and, you know, in the middle of the country and at different times. Um, so for me, it was like what I walked away from was my home and I was a nomadic person until I would return home. And, uh, the trail was where most of the time I would be at, but like, yeah, you know, I, I, it was very responsive. Like I didn't have Mm. a plan plan. So all I ever really focused, I looked at the map, but then I would just focus on what was before me. Right. And if I got there, then I'd kind of focus on that next thing. And then that next thing. And, um, so yeah, the first, I, I actually really loved winter. I knew that there's danger in winter, but I much prefer winter than getting caught in that rainstorm. I got caught in like really thankfully for the hunters, our biggest threat out there is hypothermia and water. When you get wet, it's just, it's very difficult to deal with while it's still wet. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I swear like the most important thing I brought out there was a hot water bottle. Like, you know, do not go winter camping without one. Don't go camping period without one. It's just your best friend. Um, but it can keep you warm. It's like a tea cozy when it's inside your sleeping bag. And, um, but yeah, I love winter because it's quiet out there. You can see exactly what animals you're sharing your space with because they leave their prints on the snow. So do humans. So, you know, you have a real good sense of, you know, what you're sharing your space with. It's a lot brighter, um, more depth of field in the winter out there and just yeah just when you're working out the feeling of like that cool air on your skin and on your face and uh, I really loved winter camping it was the, like I said more of the spring and the fall that scared me more than winter did you know and it was the rains and and the wet yeah um, there's some yeah. good there's some good bug scenes in that too speaking of spring <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah well there's that's the psychological uh, part. that is uh, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so, so talk to me about you you were just mentioning some of the people you ran into but um i mean wh- what was you, it would seem like it would be a very solitary thing to do this but you mm-hmm. did run and run into people and what was what was that experience like as you went cross country oh it was amazing i mean yeah like one of the things that i'm most proud of in this film is that you know like I said, no, it didn't matter what people's politics were. It didn't matter if you're left wing, white wing, you know, it's just, they, um, was, everyone was kind to me. And of course, when you watch the news, you think the whole world is full of sociopaths. How can you not? I mean, Mm -hmm. like really, but the reality is when I was out there in a very vulnerable state, um, and even when I was afraid and I didn't trust people, 
um, all I was shown was human kindness. Um, mm-hmm. And I realized it's not all the, always that way, but the reality is 99% of the time it is. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'd like, so uh, there's always luck involved in everything. Uh, it is about who you meet. And uh, for sure, if I, you know, it's just like meeting the wrong bear is like meeting the wrong human, basically, uh, you know, yeah. but um, I, I didn't. And um, that really changed. I, you know, I just didn't, I, I, I didn't go out there with that kind of trust, you know. Yeah. Um, so I have it more now. Yeah. And, and- because you know, people were I putting always, you up for the night. Like there's, oh, there's a scene yeah. where a guy picks up your glasses that you dropped on yeah, the road and right. hands no, them over was, to you. I'm like, wow. Right? Like that's what I'm talking about. Like t- over and over and over again, you're forced to look at your own stereotypes. You're forced to look at your own, all of it. Because at the end of the day, I mean, like, you know, I all I was shown was human kindness. And in this film, everybody can find somebody they can relate to that was the hero at some point of time on my journey or the heroine, you know, in the sense that um, everybody. And I think it's, you know, it's one of the things I'm, I, I love about the film. Um, and uh, I hope it lands that way in terms of the what I call the medicine of the art, right, which is the music. But also, um, yeah, just just being reminded that uh, for all our differences, really, just when we can show each other some kindness, you know, <laughs> we all kind of get along. And, um, yeah, so it gave me hope. I, I, yeah. I, I went in there a little bit more cynical uh, than I for sure would, I, I'm feeling now. I definitely have a lot more hope. I've met a lot of people. And what's amazing is they're, you know, we've got, like, some of my Indigenous friends I met out there all coming out yeah. here for the opening and... Uh, we really are all coming together. It wasn't just like a, it's a circle, not a line, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and just learning about what reconciliation is, like I said to you before, like it's, you know, it's, it can become this political thing. Like, what does it mean? You know, like uh, what? And then it's like this academic thing almost. Right. When, but what it is, is kinship. It's friendship, you know, and, yeah. and just hopefully seeing some of that, um, you know, I'm not saying my way is the way. That was just my journey and my reconciliation journey, which is about mm-hmm. making friends and through those friendships, learning different ways of seeing things. Um, and and then you can actually move on from that. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can build on that, right? And I loved, you know, Cecilia's two-eyed way of seeing. I mean, there was a lot of things that uh, I share in that film that brought me hope. Um, and I hope they land for other people in the same way. And just a, a new story, a different way. I mean, uh, you know, that's all, that's what we share is a story and we get to rewrite mm-hmm. that if we want. So, um, yeah, just, uh, all of it, uh, you know, um, just the kindness of everybody. And yeah. uh, I think is the, is the thing that lands the most and that how we all have the capacity to be healers if we're, that way, if, if it's showing each other human kindness, then that's something we can all do. You know, we all have the capacity for that. Yeah. Are you, um, and you seem to have tapped into like first nations, especially communities all the way across the country. And the, mm-hmm. the welcomes you got there were, I mean, pretty heartwarming. And, you know, I just sort of think, you know, given what's gone on here for the last 500 years or whatever, uh, I mean, what, did that surprise you or how, yes. how, did you, how did you take that? Well, yeah, it definitely surprised me. It moved me deeply and profoundly. And, uh, but, you know, it's also um, those, the, the people that get remembered tend to walk that path, right? It's, um, 
that path of grace and that path of forgiveness. You know, you look at the Mandela, right? When he got out of yeah. prison, he had every reason in the world to be angry, but he didn't. He forgave everybody. And he, I mean, those are the, those are the stories that last. Those are the, and so, um, yeah. Uh, was I surprised? Yes. But in hindsight, no. I mean, it's just the grace we're in this together, you know? And so those that see the way to peace are, are going to be remembered because yeah. uh that's what sustain you know that's the continuity of life and uh mm-hmm. yeah so anyway but um again uh yeah i feel my you know a lot of that was uh as a result of uh, some people i met and people would just kind of set those things up as i as i went along and uh but yeah at the start of your trip you you even before you went i guess you were high to Gwaii and met an elder who gave yeah. you an eagle feather right and i think yes. did you you smudged every day at the start of your yeah, day with that yeah just about yeah um well like he gave it to me as a gift and uh, told me to do it to for grounding uh, my dog yeah. just entered the uh, ah. <laughs> the, uh, the, the podcast cedar uh oh, oh there you go oh, there we there go Oh, um, that's okay. So we were talking about smudging. You uh, smudging, yeah. So Vern, yeah. once so you were smudging every feather, every day, yeah. And you know what's interesting is when he gifted me that uh, feather, I didn't, I didn't think. I mean, I was very touched, and I was like, oh, God, it's kind of hard to carry this feather. It's very delicate, yeah. in this kind of non-delicate journey, right? I didn't realize it was going to shape my whole trip. How so? But that's, well, in the sense that what you carry in your heart shapes your journey. So I, I really truly believe that because I carried that feather, even if I wasn't talking about it, that's why those, uh, those other moments happened and unfolded on my journey. It was shaped by the fact that I was carrying this feather and I was actually honoring it. But also, what a gift, right? Like, um, staying grounded is so important when you are out in nature. <laughs> um, you have to be in the moment. You have to be aware of everything. The changing of the winds, what's happening in the sky, what's happening on the ground, what's happening around you. So um, a, a something that I could um, use to help me stay grounded. And it did more than that. It also connected me to the landscape and to the waters in a different way. Um, I, and also, um, once I got uh, to... Uh, Cape Breton I was gifted the paddle that has the white eagle feather off it and I always had that at the back of the canoe and I uh, it I think even just carrying that paddle opened up opportunity uh, and and uh, in communities I also think because I was traveling alone and I wasn't like um, although I'm so happy for my partners and it's being finished as a Paramount film and, and I'm very 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 lucky um, out there when I was I was traveling you know as an independent filmmaker so it was very much a journey not motivated by money and they knew it <laughs> it was just motivated by heart uh, which is why I was invited into those uh, into those spaces because um, you know for a lot of indigenous communities when you walk that path as an artist um, that is very an honorable that's an honorable path to walk it's not about mm. money it's about spirit and it's about heart and it's about um yeah getting to know yourself as i said reveals when a mirror cannot you know a lot of time out there um get to know yourself 
Is there something about moving at that pace too that yeah. changes you? Or yeah, I think like, so. I'm yeah. thinking more of paddling and canoeing. I mean, and walking as well. Like, yeah. A... Well, it's a resonance. Anytime you slow things down, it's. But uh, I think too resonance in terms of uh, like how the animals changed for me as I spent time out there. My connections with butterflies and small and the dragonflies, and then how that evolves into large moose and bear and whatever right and um i talk about it in the films just this rebirth of excitement behind my camera but also um just learning how to see differently and be differently and how that changed those moments um you know i think it created those moments i think animals do read human resonance and um just that was a really big discovery for me (laughs) Were there, I mean, it seems like there are a couple of hair-raising moments in that, that film. I mean, were there moments where you're like, Dee, uh, this is too much? I've... Um, well, certainly the death of Julian and the death of Tom- Thomas were, were quite profound. They were, you know, we had to deal with psychological fear at that time. Um, mm-hmm. My partner definitely wanted to stop at one point, but wouldn't leave unless I left. And I, um, I, I knew that if I left, there was no going back. I mean, just financially getting myself back up there would have been like, it's just a, right. a really prohibitive, right? Was it the kayaker who drowned? Yeah, well, it was a kayaker that drowned behind us and then a, canoe, a man in a canoe right ahead, right ahead of us on the Mackenzie River that was grabbed from his tent at 3.30 in the morning and, um, and eaten by a grizzly bear. Was he um, French? Yeah, he was Julian. So yeah. my so my my nephews were the first people on that scene. They were paddling up the Mackenzie Whoa. just ahead of you. Wow, and I heard. And yeah. Wow. Well, we were right behind. Yeah. We were yeah. days so behind. So they walked into that scene, and the woman was clearly distraught, and of course. she's like, "We have to go after them," and uh, and they're looking at the blood, and they're like, "No, I don't, I don't think he, there's anything to go after." Like, yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They got the case there. Yeah. So that really freaked Louise out, right? Um, Yeah, no, for good reason, yeah. And for good reason, uh, except I'd been out there for so long that your fear threshold with these things has just been moderated slightly. But I was, we we also had a 12 gauge, uh, which I never carried a gun on the entire journey until that paddle to the Arctic. And then we got our licenses and we carried Mm. a 12 gauge. um, So at that point, you know, it was no longer in the bottom of a bag, you know, had to, you know, it was like, bring it out. Oh yeah. Let's start practicing some shots at night and just like get, you know, like deal with the fear. Right. I mean, like just try to deal with this fear, but I didn't want to quit at those times. Um, when I wanted, I had one moment where I wanted to quit at the end of two nineteen, though. Um, when, uh, my mother, um, her, her AI aorta above her heart dissected and she had to be rushed into emergency surgery and uh, I was kind of touch and go there for a few weeks and uh, I got off the trail at that point my partner came and got me off the trail in northern Alberta and I went back and uh, spent a couple weeks sitting in a chair in a hospital at VGH with my mom and I was just like looking at her going like I just can't leave my mom you know like I just she needs me here now and uh, you know um but she got better after a few weeks and she was still kind of weak, but going home and she's, she basically just really just would have none of that. <laughs> she's like, you know, you got to go back out and finish what you started. Cause I know you and it will drive you crazy. Um, and I'm okay. You know, thank you for coming home. Thank you for being here for me. And, uh, but you need to go back out there now. So, but it was, that was a hard one. Cause you know, while I was out there, I did lose friends. Friends did die. It happens at this age, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and, um, 
And so you, 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 there's a, there's a cost to being away from your life for such a long time. And, uh, you know, here's my parents going into their latter years and uh, I'm spent a good chunk of it away from them. So at that point, yeah, it was definitely, uh, I had to wrestle within myself about what was the right thing to do, but she made it easy. Cause she just was like, you know, I'm locking the door. You're not going, you know, you're going bye. <laughs> so, uh, she made it, she made, she made the decision for me and, uh, I'm grateful to that because um, I am really happy that I got a chance to finish it and that they both my parents were alive to be there to greet me and knock on wood. They're both alive to be there at the world premiere on Friday. So, uh, that's a real blessing. Yeah. So world premiere. I, so I'm, I'm, I was impressed with the journey and I was also, I'm impressed with the fact that the amount of footage you must've had to sort 800 to hours. put that. Yeah. Mm. That was hours, insane. Yeah. It was the Mount Everest of edits. That's why, I mean, there's no solo about any of this. There's no solo yeah. that I finished this journey without hundreds of people to help me. And there's no solo in this film. Like this is a film's collaborative. It takes a team and uh, my editor, Tanya Marignac, is amazing. amazing uh, I, yeah. I, the way I make documentaries, I don't have scripts. We go in there bravely and we look at a pile of clay and then we find the sculpture that's within the clay and we let the story come out. It's kind of a verite way of making films. It's not an easier way. It's a harder way. And it's the way that I make them. And uh, some editors run away screaming. Uh, and she did not. Um, we did work with other editors who also helped us. That was the only way. We actually went through every minute of this footage, and uh, the only way to do that was to work with a team of people. But my senior editors, Terry uh, Tanya, was amazing. Yeah. And uh, you know, so that means also- you were cutting. You were cutting to picture before scripting. Is that what you were doing then, or like? Were you- uh, no. Well, a lot of that uh, narration that you heard, like I was constantly carrying my cell phone around out there, and mm-hmm. I wasn't. Um, sometimes it was my backup camera, but more often than not, I was. Um, a lot of times, well, the funny thing was, I didn't even think I'd be in my own film at first, which uh-huh. everybody finds really hilarious now, including <laughs> myself. But so I was always pointing the camera elsewhere and talking from behind it. Like I was like, and occasionally would like film my reflection in a puddle or something. But I wasn't exactly like doing any like la la la. Um, and, and anyway, so what was really cool was we were able to go through like all of these like phone recordings and really find these in situ recordings. Um, and then use that as like, um, like lay that out and then kind of be responsive around that. And, uh, that was our, that was our process and it was great. A really good one. Again, very labor intensive. That means listening to everything to find those moments that, you want to carry forward in this way. Yeah, no, and really, it, pay, it pays off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, so I'm so glad. Like, you know, very few people have seen this film, right, David? So oh, this good. is, I, you're I like my audience. Yeah. Like, so, you know, the fact, uh, so you liked the film? You loved the film? No, no, I loved it. No, and what I can okay. tell you, what amazed me about it was, it, I, like, first I saw, okay, it's two hours. And I'm like, how are they going to get all this into two hours? And somehow right. you really do. Like, you get a Thank real you. sense of the journey and the difficulty of the journey and the beauty of the places you go. And mm. it feels longer in a good way than two hours, okay, if good. I can say it that way. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like Thank you've you. done a lot more of a journey than you think you possibly could. But yeah, oh, no, it's, uh, it's stunning. And I, yeah, I encourage everyone oh. I mean, I, I, to, to go see it. Um, can you just describe to me that feeling when you did, you, you ended your journey on Vancouver Island? 
yeah that's that, right. that moment as that you final sort of, paddle yeah oh i was overwhelmed as you can see in the film i'm bawling my eyes out i mean um that after spending so much time going through um, all communities, but in indigenous communities specifically, mm. when COVID happened, um, there was no more going into any communities, right? So yeah. uh, all of a sudden, which I mean, at that point, the part of the journey that stayed the same was connecting to the other 99.9% of life on earth, which is not human. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that part really kicked in. And that's why you see the real jump up to you in some of the cinematography with the animals and stuff, because it's where I had to, I just really dove into. Um, uh, but um, <clears throat> so for, I, you know, a few days before I landed, I got, a, I got a message asking if I wanted to follow traditional Coast Salish protocol when I landed on the beach. And I was, yeah, wow, sure, absolutely. And uh, I was just given a little bit of instruction about what that would entail, which is staying in the canoe when you get to shore until you're greeted and invited to come to shore mm. and to tell you, say your name and uh, to talk about the journey you've been on and uh, to promise basically uh, that you've come in peace um, mm. and that you're not going to eat all the blackberries, which is just uh, symbolic of like, just take what you need, you know, like leave some for the bears and leave some for other people and just kind of that philosophy, right? So I... Um, that feels like a real yeah. nice closing moment of reconciliation too, given that whole it trip, right? It was very powerful. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, just coming to shore and uh, being greeted by Cecilia Dick and her sister, Lavera, um, their father, uh, Pali Dick, was the chief of the Songhee people, and he had just passed days mm. before I arrived. So this was uh, very, very, very special that they came down to the beach to greet me and welcome me at the end of my journey in this way. And very powerful. I mean, seeing the film, we walked together to the Mile Zero Beacon, and they say, like, to this crowd of people, you know, all as one. And in this very week, these graves are being dug up, you know, behind these residential schools mm. off vancouver island so again i just can't emphasize the grace right yeah. and um and the forgiveness and just this vision of, of like uh, wow what a great yeah. living example of what we must be and what we must now do so yeah yeah very powerful and then uh of course you know bringing the feather back home to Haida Gwaii. yeah 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 which is a beautiful scene um so uh, is, there, is there a favorite spot? Is there like a spot that sticks with you still? I know it's, it's a big country that, and 24,000 kilometers, is. but yeah. You're right. I would say, David, Lake Superior, Gichigami yeah. was like, that was a, that I that thousand kilometer paddle was absolutely, well, cha life altering, yeah. changing, stunning. Um, yeah, I would have to say so that. Powerful, that, that so lake, powerful, that lake, isn't it? it yeah. So powerful. And just, you know, so if you do that, really encourage people to um, try to have those opportunities with, you know, the Anishinaabe people, because uh, I did ceremony for a week in Agua Park, which isn't really in the film because I wasn't allowed to film it. But you do see me when I go in with the pictographs there. It was in that area the of the film. And, yeah. then, and then in Mishapakotan through the water ceremony. And I mean, these are experiences that not only um, where you learn something, right? But um, they gave me necessary 
things that I needed to know to survive that situation. Like when I got caught out in the night paddle and I couldn't find shore and panic started filling me a little bit in the darkness because I couldn't see anything and the wind was picking up and the canoe started moving around and I had no idea. Uh, I started singing that song that those women sang for me at the beach. And when I sang that song, it refocused my energy because I really had to think about it to remember it. It refocused my energy away from the fear. And then my headlamp caught this little tiny white flower. And I just was like going in and, you know, the next morning to see that I was on this spot that's like just like basically the size of my tent and that I found that place in the dark. It was just nothing, you know what I mean? Just there's magic out there yeah. in life. And uh, if you open yourself up to being, you know, just stay humble about the whole thing, man. And just, uh, and say, thank you. And, uh, yeah. And, and, and I learned, yeah, I learned a lot, a lot of respect, uh, for my elders. You know, there's so much respect for elders and in indigenous communities coming home and going like all elders should be respected in this way. Mm-hmm. And there's something we can all learn from that there too, right? Yeah. Uh, and respecting yeah. my yeah. own, my aunts, my uncles, my my elders, bringing that level of respect to those relationships. Uh, that that was I learned that too. I, we should all yeah. know it anyway. But when you're around cultures that really elevate it, you just oh yeah, like yeah, why are not you, you realize this? how little we do, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So your premiere is on Friday and then yeah, where, yeah. you know where can people see this and what's the plan well the plan David is um like I said I'm I'm very 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 lucky that I um I wouldn't have been able to make this film without my partners which are uh, Paramount Plus in Canada ultimately the film will be streaming on Paramount Plus in Canada probably by next fall I would imagine um, in the spring, uh, Elevation Pictures has my theatrical rights in Canada, and they're uh, planning a um, a large theatrical release of this documentary, uh, which is amazing. That's a very rare uh, occurrence for a documentary filmmaker like me. So um, I'm pretty excited by that. Uh, more, we, we, we literally just finished the film 10 days ago. I guess if this was like a painting exhibit, you could say that the painting will still be wet when you go to the gallery. <laughs> Um, so we've just like right into the, into this, but really special that it's in Whistler for me because my very first job as a photographer was as a photojournalist for the Whistler question back in my twenties and, uh, the early nineties, late eighties, whatever it was. And, uh, so it feels kind of full circle the first time I picked up a camera and now I'm, uh, bringing this film back there it's the premiere and uh so that feels really wonderful and, and uh like i said we got friends coming out from across canada that are in this film that are showing up and we have this like incredible soundtrack you know i'm pretty proud of the soundtrack i'm proud of the composer david ramos but also that artist like Joni mitchell, mitchell in there and tragically, tragically hip. hip in there yeah looking you know, for a place I mean, to happen i caught that that's yeah. right and uh, <laughs> xavier rod i mean saltland yeah. we have some really amazing music in this film and um those were those were those were almost gifts you know in terms of uh again a filmmaker like me could never afford something yeah. like that so the yeah. fact that those are in this film is just another expression of business kindness <laughs> Uh, awesome well tell us the name of the film again uh 500 days in the wild go out and see it everybody it's definitely worth it and deanne thank you so much for your time it's been a real real pleasure having you on this podcast and thank you for sharing your adventures thank you thank you very much 
And thanks to all of you for listening. Before you log off, can I ask a quick favor? If you like Explore, can you tell one other person about it? Recommend it to a friend, post about it on social media, talk about one of our episodes at a dinner party, however you want to do it. Please spread the word. It's the best way to bring more listeners to these interviews, and it's much appreciated. Thank you. Also, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. Until next time, when we'll explore again, I'm David McGuffin. I think right now we're enjoying very much looking back at the Earth, and it's just been a fantastic experience, and I just can't wait to get back and start telling people. We left Simpson about June 10th with the Fur Brigade, consisting of a number of yacht boats, each manned by 10 voyageurs. For us, it means that Inuit oral history is very strong. Yeah, we flew over every inch of the country that it could be. We were hoping that he would fire at us. Oh, I guess so.